Welcome to Tether Together, a podcast about friendship, care, and connection from Laura Interlandy and Erica Livingston of Birdsong Brooklyn. We're so glad you're here. Welcome to our episode on Sister Wound. We want to talk about this topic today because it's something that comes up in our business a lot, and it's one of those words that we use that even when we say it to someone and they've never heard it before, you totally have a gut feeling of, I know what that is, and or I need to know more of what that is. And another reason, I think, is because a lot of people talk to us about our friendship because it is really um, entwined in our business, and also that's kind of what this podcast is about is our, our friendship and using that. And us working to acknowledge what Sister Wound is in our lives is one of the core foundations of our friendship. And a lot of times people are like, oh, my gosh, I want a friend like you. And, like, I want to hang out with you guys. What's going on here? And so for us to look at what's going on, this is one of the things we have to look at. Yeah. If people are looking at us feeling like I want to feel with somebody else what it looks like on the outside you feel with each other mm-hmm. what which is so much which love. is so much <laughs> we just went to a brunch and i introduced everyone to erica it was like basically as your wife as yeah i mean literally uh but i will say that the best language we have found to explain our commitment to essentially healthy relationships yeah. is that we are very actively working all the time in our relationship. And I think it is the karma of our friendship. It's the some reason why we're here and why we met. And It's our unbornness. It is our unbornness <laughs> through this lifetime and many lifetimes that really we have an opportunity here to do something a bit different from kind of from go. Mm-hmm. And we were in that threshold where we were kind of letting go of a lot of things that we're not serving and moving into a new threshold. I think there's such an opportunity in parenting to shed those layers that are sort of like, wow, I don't have time for toxic relationship. Right? I mean, I it's as simple as like for- when you go on vacation, right? Any kind of, anytime we're in like a transition or a change, there's like kind of something. Yeah. You get to just be like for one week, I actually like totally untangled that knot because mm-hmm. I moved somewhere else or I was doing something very different. And since we were moving into parenthood at the same time. So the best way we would have to describe it, or we're still working on it, this is the 2019 understanding currently of what we're doing here, which is we are trying to operate outside of sister wound. Yeah, and you have a really good way of explaining it. So why don't you say... Yeah, my word nerd uh, etymological definition that I like to throw around um, is that sister wound is social emotional and psychological wounding based in the collective investment in a hierarchy. Yeah. And that's a good definition. I'm really proud of you for coming up with that string of words. Thank you. (laughs) I will also say we had such a long, nice friendship time last night Mm -hmm. until very wee hours that I'm proud of just saying words. (laughs) 
like I'm just glad we're able to talk. Yeah, I'm I'm questioning our choice to record a public podcast <laughs> with where my brain feels, but that's because I trust you mm-hmm. <laughs> to bring out the best in me. Um, and I, what I will also say is that we started to share some of these ideas in certain spaces and then we started to have very powerful conversations with friends and students who themselves uh, identify outside of the binary of the male-female gender binary. And for anyone that's listening to this that that feels new to and you're not quite sure what I'm saying, I want to just quickly explain that so that this conversation can feel really productive. And one of the things that is working outside of Sister Wound is not weaponizing information to make a hierarchy out of your awareness or we call it sometimes weaponizing wokeness. So being able to ask the question, what is the binary, is really important for our ability to progress outside of a binary, right? If people can't ask the question, what do you mean by gender binary? So what we mean by gender binary is we are all born with an anatomical sex, right? You are born with certain reproductive organs or a combination of in some cases or none in some cases, but most of the time people are born with testicles and a penis or ovaries uterus vulva vagina that's the usual setup for most people although there are other people within that spectrum and in our culture and most cultures in 2019 globally although there are lots of indigenous cultures that recognize a spectrum of gender um, you are then if the scan says you have a penis, you're then assigned the gender of boy. You are assigned the gender of girl if you have a vulva. And what we have learned from activists and educators within the queer and trans and non-binary communities is that there are people who are born with the anatomical sex of penis testicles who realize through their own very brave and deep self and just knowing, and knowing of themselves because <laughs> they know they themselves know that that isn't the gender they identify with mm-hmm. and and that that doesn't feel right or that it fits and isn't i like to think of it like that container wasn't big enough you know to hold the truth of all of who they were and so we are going to use very gendered language right now and that uh, Erica made the joke earlier that when we were talking, um, we were talking, we were saying, vegans, come back. Yeah, that's <laughs> In right. In previous episode, we're saying, please, uh, queer, non-binary, non-binary friends, binary and trans queer friends, folks, come, come back. Because we are going to uh, discuss why it's important to use gender language in this context to really unearth the toxicity of the binary like the sister wound is a product of the binary yeah so it kind of has to be acknowledged and we have had um people say well like why don't you just call it sibling wound or something and um though i'm not totally against it what it does is it makes it harder to explain where it came from um because i think it does come out of some tough 
feminist history, and it comes out of uh, centering white feminism. Yeah, and centering and cis, cis hetero cis hetero feminism. And so, if we made the language incredibly inclusive, it almost softens the wounding and therefore permissions it in a way, instead of holding cis hetero feminism accountable. So I think we're going to hold to it. We've, we've decided at least temporarily to hold to calling it sister could, wound. The other way you could look at it is cisgendered. So cisgendered means that you do identify with the anatomical sex gender was, configuration that you were the sex the sex you were born with anatomically and, and the assigned. gender that was assigned mm-hmm. to you as a result of that. You if that is you, if you have a vulva and identify as female. Um, you are cisgendered, and you, or you, if you and that's a lot of privilege. That's a lot of privilege to never have to even all of this stuff that we've just thought about. If this is the first time that you've ever heard these words or ever really understood what this means, that in and of itself is privilege because you haven't had to do that with your brain. If mm-hmm. you're born identifying with a gender or completely outside of the a gender you were born with. You've had you've had to go through a lot in this world to just be able to be who you are, and so um, the wounding really comes from the cisgendered outlook on life and how you know we live in a cis, sister wound is a result of internalized misogyny and mm-hmm. internalized patriarchy and patriarchy and like having to be within the binary within the so binary. So one of the itself. things we were talking about before was. Um, and a way that we've explored it is if you are female identified, then there's a lot of chances that in the way you were raised was uh, in a very small container of binary that maybe didn't permission things like rough and tumble or physical release um, of anger or frustration. So um, because of that, then what do we do with it? Because we all have those things, even though we make spaces in a binary world, uh, we make different spaces for different genders to express that. So then female identified kiddos start to go through what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Yeah, so shamey. And then you start to go through like puberty, for example, all kinds of hormones and changes start happening. And yet there hasn't been a lot of spaces created for where does jealousy, anger, frustration, hurt, where do those things need to go? Being competitive is considered a positive when you are male identified and being competitive is considered a negative when you are female identified. So when you think about bossy little girls, you know, Mm -hmm. and how people look at bossy little girls, when you are um, male, being raised male identified, um, being assigned male identification, those are usually things that people hold up as being really positive, meaning you have a bright future, meaning mm. that you could like be boss in your life. And so it is important to acknowledge just how we were raised to express our boundaries, how yeah. we were raised to see our own value. And that truly anybody, when you look at psycho-emotional social wounding, obviously that can be anybody across any spectrum of gender or sexuality or experience. Um, But I think we, you know, what we have really, when we really, when I really started noticing this, it was probably, it was at a a time in our friendship that also did line up with what 
what I was learning and what you were learning, what we were talking about a lot in the political landscape, Mm -hmm. um, because around 2016, around the election and then around this outcry and uprising came the real seeing that feminism was narrowly centering a white, cisgendered, heteronormative, uh, female-identified version of leadership. Yeah. It was not center, centering black voices. It was not centering. And then so, therefore, we started to... I started for the very first time in my life, really, to understand intersectionality mm-hmm. and why it's important to not just rally for women's rights, right? Why right. it's why we need to um, center the voices of the most oppressed in order for us to all actually thrive. Mm -hmm. And that, so feminism and the history, the relative recent history of feminism has had encoded within it its own sister wound that is the oppression that white women have literally risen on the backs of black women within the workforce. Right. And that is sister That is too. it too, right. It's all the infighting. And it is that taking that um, competitive nature, which can come up in all people's very naturally, also just sometimes trying on a feeling, but then taking it and turning it in to others, you know, not having a way for that to move um, anywhere else, and so it turns in onto the person that you can easily oppress uh, because of where you are in kind of the big matrix of, of white supremacy, and so who's under you, which is why when we talk about this, like if you center the person who is kind of at the bottom, then everybody is going to be able to benefit. Um, and I think that the other thing we've recognized or we've been sort of like, well, when did we start thinking about this and why did we start thinking about this and how have we come so far in our conversations with each other about something that actually is usually just a vibe people feel, Yeah, right? You walk into a room, it feels toxic and you may never talk about what or why. And, and a lot of times you don't. I mean, my, you know... I feel like I come from a long line of not acknowledging it, not <laughs> right? Acknowledging like history. we all come from a what long lineage. South, what's that saying in the South? Um, That's just your little red wagon. Oh yeah, yeah. Bless. <laughs> bless, bless her heart. Which is, you know, an interesting saying because what you're doing there is giving a blessing to your heart center, but it has started to become sister wounding and weaponizing language. That is underneath it. I mean, you really need a lot of help, and it's not coming from me, you know. And or like, bless your heart means like, you know, I don't yeah. approve of what you're. Uh, I don't approve of you, and I'm judging you, and I'm pushing you below me. I am pushing you down. I'm keeping you under my thumb. And um, yeah, that's a really good example of it. Is the shade. Right, like throwing just throwing shade, shade at someone of just else. Saying, I don't like what you're doing. <laughs> right, or saying or, a boundary, or realizing like, do you even need to talk about what someone else is doing? Because maybe you could move just like into your own um, reflections. Because <laughs> do you need to be spending this time? But I think that there's also one of the things we want to talk about is like where gossip plays in this, right? Because we started to see, okay, first as friends, we started to 
for whatever trusting reason. Well, we are over talkers, over sharers, and over empaths. analyzers, and deep empaths. So we, so we leave spaces together. And then need to process and say, wait, did you feel that when so-and-so said this? And it was like really shitty. And then all of a sudden there were conversations between us that were acknowledging feelings in a room that were, yeah, psychic attack feelings or like something that wasn't being said, but that everyone could feel. And we started to realize that in our friendship, that it was permissioned to talk about that. And that I could say that to you and you would almost always say, yes, I felt that. Or you would say, wow, I didn't feel it. Tell me what you felt. It wasn't, but there was never a, no, I didn't hear that. No, I didn't see that. I didn't feel that, right? There was no shutting down. And so we over-talked about it, as you can, I'm sure, all imagine we did. And we would, instead of getting deep down into the grossy gossip of it, by not getting into that and being able to just say, that felt really weird and I didn't like it, and then having someone else hear that, see that, and hold it, we were able to move outside of gossip. And, and then start talking about the why. And also what could have been different in order for that space to have felt um, more comfortable or better for all of us. Or yeah. Better or whatever. And it, I think it's important to acknowledge that in doing any kind of inner work where you're really actually going into like shadow mm-hmm. and your own personal wounds and your own personal edges, you do need um, friendship and you need you need safe containers to talk about what is coming up and... That won't then be weaponized against you later. Mm-hmm. Like screenshotting the conversation and sending it to some old girl. Or in the eighth grade, it was always like the three-way call that the other person didn't know was three-way. You know, trapping people in to these ways of, of permissioning people to come in and say... Yeah, I didn't like what was happening and that was really weird, but like secretly the line is tapped or, you know, someone is going to like show that you did this. And instead moving into these spaces of trust of that it is okay to say that something made you really uncomfortable and that you don't like what someone's doing, but we don't have to use that against each other. And by being able to do that, we're able to move out of gossip and move into and outside of kind of some old patterns that are definitely within us. Like, we are not here telling you about this, saying, like, we've never been that, and we're so good. Like, (laughs) we are definitely saying we've just realized that this is work and that this is work we're committed to doing together and with other people that want to do it with us. And we find now in this phase, now having been friends and business partners for six-plus years, that... We are always actively discussing, especially when we have another partnership or somebody we're working with and this like dynamic of two becomes three, Mm -hmm. we really talk a lot about how we want to make sure that that person feels held Mm -hmm. by us, even though we know and they know that you and I have this really strong dynamic. It's like that is a really concrete example of a way to be actively working outside of sister wound is to understand if you're in a partnership, whether it's you hire somebody to do something or whether it's that you're collaborating now as three, that there is actually this like imbalance 
because one is coming into a two, and those and two... three is always a crowd. Three is always a crowd, <laughs> or a good time, depending on your preferences. Yeah. But <laughs> you are having the two... If the two people don't acknowledge that the third person is probably feeling vulnerable, sensitive, a little worried if they can speak their truth, or if they're going to be talked about after when they, they leave, leave the, the room, room then... Um, then that is a very, very direct representation of how Sister Wound could play out so easily and probably does in, like, every workplace and every school. Yeah, and it's so interesting that you even just bring up the two-on-three because I think it's, that's the, I mean, sorry, the two-on-one, which makes three, I... That's the beginning, and yet it can be in these much bigger and bigger. It can grow out from there. Yeah, and so I I think one, you know, we're going to give some um, care, more care and love to this topic in another episode. Yeah. Uh, But I think what we have, yeah, we recognize is we all have a responsibility because we've all inherited the wounds and the toxicity of certain patterning that comes from patriarchy, the history of patriarchy, and the history of white supremacy, and this, like, how the trickle down of all of that has come to live inside of us and get basically off-gassed and perpetuated in... In our culture, too, right? Like, even in pop media, like, sister wounding is something that's, like, used to sell so many things. The, the paper, right? Yeah. Like, here's this pop star's Twitter war with this other pop star. Right. Or, like, this person had this baby body bounce back, um, and this person is jealous about it. Mm-hmm. Or this call-out. I mean, I really also think it's important to mention that this is a dynamic that we have felt, and I'm sure will again feel, in spaces that are... S- "Quote unquote healing spaces, mm-hmm. right? There's always hierarchy within like yoga circles or like spiritual circles. There's always that like spiritual high council when you go to like a festival or a space, and that can really uh, activate people's sister wounds of like wanting to be in the cool crowd, right? Sure. Wanting to be accepted and seen and valued. Everybody likes to be loved. Feels really good when you're accepted <laughs> and loved. Literally everyone likes that. And the opposite, but I think we're almost always operating in the fear of the lack of that. Yeah. The fear of exclusion. Wanting it so badly, then blocking because the, the fear of the rejection of it. Mm-hmm. And that that is, all, yeah, that's the core of all of it. The d- the depth underneath it is that everyone really enjoys being loved and having friendship and yet we've gotten very afraid of it and also how can we know to trust? Like how do you know when to trust? Which is what we want to do with the sibling episode to this one. Mm-hmm. We're here talking about what is this and why is this and hopefully our trust building episode will be well, the kind of you. the how and what what to do with it mm-hmm. and I think as we you know unearth these conversations it's just so important to very tenderly recognize that we do just all have this wound within us yeah we've all been uh we've all shown up at the cafeteria table only to find out there's no seat for us I and mean we- I feel like sometimes that the whole table's being built so that there's not a seat for me <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, that can be really it is feeling um, not only is someone going to say, yeah, you can't sit there because someone else did, but literally we didn't even build this with you in mind. And that's the big fear, right? Is that um, we all are being kind of like left out, unacknowledged, pushed to the side. And that, but all of us have that desire to not have that happen to us. We all want to be included and loved. And yet all of us also do this wounding. Yeah. Unless we commit to the work. And I mean, even then you do it because sometimes you do it like we do it to each other. Like we still hurt each other's feelings. You know, it's just about can I hold you if it happens and and not ever doing it purposely to weaponize. And then moving away from it and pretending it didn't. Because I think that one of the things that needs to be very outwardly acknowledged with sister wound is one of the things that keeps it inflamed is gaslighting. Yeah. That is one, oh, it's all in your head. You're crazy. No, I didn't say that. No, I thought your outfit was cute. When you know that person looked you up and down. Yeah. And rolled and looked at somebody else and then looked back at you. And right. you know that happened. And then if you do build up the courage to say, hey, that felt like really tricky and hard. And then that person moves away from you, further away from you, creating more of a distance and basically fans like a the moat flame of, of distrust your, of your wound. Um, there's... Sister wound is able to exist because we're not willing to talk about it. And it starts to um, dissolve, dissipate, or we just find another whole operating system when we actually go towards it. Yeah, and what gets me excited is thinking about language that permissions us and helps us, bolsters us even, to get to say, that isn't the best outfit for you. (laughs) Right. If we that's the work is to start to learn how to be honest when someone asks mm-hmm. for something. It's it's the simple you do, you have something in your teeth right now. Right. It's that simple thing. It feels to, so good, even though you're not stoked that you've got a big old piece of spinach in your teeth. What you are stoked about is that someone that can see your face told you so that you didn't, didn't walk around it. the room all day. You know, with the booger hanging out the nose or the spinach in the teeth or the not as flattering outfit or whatever example we want to use. But, yeah, that's trust, right? And that is something that we are not really taught how to do so easily. I just feel like, wouldn't it be amazing? What if there was, like, a sister wound course in the sixth grade? Like, you Mm -hmm. took it. It was, like, phys ed and right after recess we go to sister wound class and in that class we get to practice our language of how to say the tougher things to people in a way that doesn't harm them and we like learn well are we go inward what's coming up for me too is like we go inward and really ask ourselves why we want to say something Who does this serve? Who is this serving? And is it you wanting to say, like the difference between, for example, the outfit and the spinach in the teeth is subjectivity and objectivity. Like I think objectively no one intends to have their fly down or spinach in their teeth. Mm -hmm. And that just is like an embarrassment Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, Outfits could be, I really wanted to like wear all only purple pla- I was gonna say only plastic bags <laughs> I went really hard into like an abstract direction you were like I intended to wear all plastic well, bags well my big time bags. of this in my life was when I was wearing fully this is like six 
I don't know, maybe fifth to seventh and eighth grade. That's where a very good, like, fertile ground for the beginnings of Sister Wound. And I was wearing fully themed outfits at that time. So, like, I had a Batman one that was a full yellow and black outfit. I had, like, suspenders and Converse that matched it all. And it was a fully Batman outfit. And I needed to do that. There was something I was expressing there. I had also a Simpsons-themed one, a bardified kind of vibe going on. These things were, for other people, I think, quite embarrassing Mm -hmm. to be around. And in some ways, when I think back on it, it was that. And that's that thing of, like, um, (laughs) objectivity and subjectivity. But there were still people that were just, like, showing up and being like, that's how Red does it. Erica just shows up in a full Batman outfit, and I'm still going to sit by her, right? Because also what I wasn't asking was, does this look okay? I was showing up being like, I am hot as hell right now in my full Batman wear or my full Bart Simpson-themed, like, I had the kids with it puffy painted, and there was one on the jeans and the shirt plus the belt and a hair bow. Wow. All of it. I have pictures. If we can, I'll look it up and try to put it in the show notes. Um it was a lot and definitely not advisable by like any fashion sense and yet it was I like I feel like I've lived in the woods long enough now that like I don't know f- fashion I don't, I don't remember fashion well and when we're figuring out so I think all of that is so but like you think about like yeah. Iris Appel like she's yeah. going so big and hard like she'd probably be like yeah Bartified looks great I'm feeling it you went really deep and hard with all those looks well and that's what's funny too right we see I think on the internet now and you know social media can be the literal definition of sister wound yeah. and just the place if you're like I really want to inflame my sister wound today just go stroll scroll for 30 to 60 seconds I'm sure you'll without see something food. especially without. if you're like not nourished yeah you're like if hungry, you're not nourished you're you're, you're not hydrated yeah you're luteal <laughs> do some scrolling there it is that's the sister wound yeah if feel. you're like what sister wound what are they talking about just go look up <laughs> just go look at anything on the internet um but I think the the flip side to that and what a lot of people talk about, and we'll get into this in the next episode, is how um, social media and seeing, when I think of body image and I think of myself as a young uh, pubescent person finding their first stretch mark or their first cellulite dimple or really not understanding what's going on with my body and then and and therefore how to dress in my body sure and all that stuff um and I think now of people who I regularly follow online who have different bodies than I was taught to center and idealize when I was coming up as a teenager um and how it would have maybe felt at that time to see lots of different kinds of bodies in such beautiful ways, in such beautiful yeah, with ways, express beautiful themselves framing. with cons- mm-hmm. with their own deep confidence and um, yeah, just like their framing, right? Right, and that is happening too on the internet. That I want to say, and that I think sometimes it's sometimes it just like then all the stuff falls away because you just see someone embodying themselves well i was thinking earlier it's your too muchness like kind of to go back to what we were talking about a few episodes ago right like just what is it we all have a too muchness 
right? Everybody's got it somewhere in some way, you know, and that does get into like your too muchness is subjective, right? But it's also because it's like yours and it's like your unique special sauce. Well, and too muchness absolutely being reflective of both a toxic binary, Mm -hmm. right? Because again, all the things that make me too much in this way it's just that it doesn't like fit somewhere would probably be like why don't you go be ceo of that thing totally and also the too muchness being like (laughs) why don't you go be ceo of like a batman outfit like a bully (laughs) 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 yellow suspenders with black polka dots so good and also the too muchness is sister wounding right it's like oh she can't sit with us at the table because of the batman outfit right Mm -hmm. or you talk too much and it's gonna be like you're gonna say something like weird oh this is my like weird funny friend or we keep somebody around because they make us feel good like that teenage thing of like this is my weird friend that tokenizing of other people to like fill out your own yeah like these weird archetypes you're being taught from where right that is all about like mainstream media teaching you these harmful archetypes that must be filled that actually is just about marketing to sell you something probably and to and, and to inflame the wound that you're not enough mm-hmm. the too muchness because then that's when you go on amazon and buy something for sure yeah i mean <laughs> please sponsor no i'm just kidding <laughs> so we're going to talk more next episode about what's the antidote anecdote anecdotes and antidote Mm. (laughs) to um, this idea because one thing that we feel very deeply ethically um, propelled by is the fact that we work in female-centric and largely female-identifying spaces and or spaces where... um, social, emotional, and psychological wounding can and does occur Mm -hmm. because it's absolutely happening in birth spaces, in hospitals, and within certain medical structures. And it's absolutely happening within learning spaces. And we see so many of our sweet, vulnerable, open, earnest, uh, ready-to-serve baby deer doulas, especially those that um, will come and train with us in like a, an, a city environment and then go back to maybe smaller towns or places where doula work and birth work isn't as popularized as it might be in some cities and tell us like, hey, I actually have, am having a hard time getting my um, lactation continuing ed requirement filled because these people don't want me to be a part of their group yeah i mean it all gets down to that scarcity stuff too is there going to be enough for everybody what Mm -hmm. if i'm the only one in town then i know that there's only enough for me my small town is is going through a big growth in specifically lactation support and where I am at is really this place of wanting to yes and, right? And yes and even, yet let's yes and your fear of scarcity, right? Let's, let's actually just bring that all together. Let's all come together in a room. Let's talk about what days everyone wants to work and who wants to work in which geographic community more and how we can support each other and how one of the things that you are positioned as a doula to be able to do is just gather all the resources and literally support everybody. Mm. Because when all of the resources on your resource dock are thriving businesses that are continuing, your clients have better um, 
uh, better opportunities to get the support that will serve them. Yeah. And so we feel this real ethical from both the client perspective of how many people, what people remember from their birth experience sometimes might not even be the physical way the baby was born or the physical intervention that happened. It might be the thing the nurse said about as, the freaking pain meds or something, and right? The way or it was just said. like or the just way like, you, the, the nurse judgment. leave the room and the client will be like, "Do you did you do you feel like that nurse doesn't like me?" Mm-hmm. And it, that becomes a part of the, the experience. Mm-hmm. And so so we're so motivated to keep talking about this and unearthing it. And, and untangling it. conversations. We don't have answers. We only have questions and long stories about Bart Simpson outfits. <laughs> <laughs> but we do also want to hear, like, what other people think about it. Because, like, we are definitely expanding the container of how we think about it. But that's only going to keep to expand if other people speak about it as well. And that's why we felt really... Um, that this should be a foundational piece of the first season of our podcast because it's something that we feel informs our work. And what about the ideas of us being able to build businesses outside of this, being able to build friendships and relationships outside of this? Um, and learning spaces and That looks like a beautiful spaces. future. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's So we're next episode we're going to talk about nurturing community and trust building and relationships. And we hope that you will send us a message and tell us about a time in your life where you felt your sister wound activated on either the receiving or the doing end. There's no shame in that game because the more we start to understand our complicity within these wounds and systems, then we're able to actually act with awareness next time. So thank you for listening. And Thanks being so here much. Leave a review, it's really helpful.